And welcome back to another installment of Baltimore County Forever Podcast. What up, though? This is episode shit. We shooting for like 136 now. Shit. Mm-hmm. We got uh we got the the I deemed you cousin Al for the episode. Uh when I when I when I was doing, I was like, what the fuck is this title? And I'm like, this nigga digged into his history bag. Lessons from Cousin Al. That makes all the sense in the world. So we have the new and approved, newly named Cousin Al back in the motherfucking building. Host right. of the Laptop Chronicles. Let's go. Like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yo. What's up? What's up, man? Man, it's hot. Yo, I'm been dying at work, bro. It's hot. I'm sitting there where I work. And uh yeah, yeah, yeah. hot as hell, drenched in bullets. My dad had bleeding on my scalp and shit. Like Yo, know. I remember, man, it was maybe what's this, 2020, so it had to be maybe six summers ago. Man, they had us in the bubble. Summer, I like to die. Yeah. So yeah. Horrible. I feel your pain. If you ain't out there with a uh, the big jugs of water, you assed out. Mm -hmm. I kept on filling up my little ass water bottle about four times on one Mm -hmm. uh, one place. (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, what's going on? How you been? How was your week? We it was straight. You know, very productive. Mm -hmm. Finally got a couple things going. Back in the groove of, of podcasting. So, uh, wonderful feeling. Love to see it. Got an episode. I'm going to record it tomorrow. Got to do a little more research. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's coming out probably tomorrow or Saturday. Mm. You know, everything's good. Can't complain. Neighborhood sounds <laughs> better than gunshots. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to start off with something, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of current events. I'm going to jump right into it because we got a long list of shit to do. Before we jump into it, shout out to uh, Stacy, Norm. Um, I know y'all, you guys missed them. They will be back. We're just trying to like iron out stuff to make sure our uh, schedules line up correctly. You know, um, But yeah, man, make sure. Ain't nothing changed. Make sure you go stream and support Norm's The yes, Regular Show. The Regular Show. That good shit, is, great shit. Just a good, great, like Aline said, piece of work. We're going to start with, uh, you know, some regular shit. Netflix shifts $100 million in cash into black-owned banks. Mm-hmm. Um, the online giant will start by shifting $25 million into the Black Economic Development Initiative, a new fund that will invest in black-owned financial institutions serving low-income communities, and $10 million to Hope Credit Union. Going forward, the company will steer 2% of its cash on hand, which currently amounts to about $5 billion, to financial organizations that directly support African-American communities. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Um, I, I, I love it. Um, ah, it. Well, damn, without, without sounding like you know uh, a negative Nancy, because it kind of feels like at the end of the day, if somebody gives you money, then they have say so in different mm. things. So, in a sense, are we, as a community, are we binding ourselves to what Netflix says? You know, or is Netflix just saying, "Here's a hundred million dollars"? Because if you think about it, who has a hundred million dollars just to give away like that? It seems like a lot of these fucking companies. I feel like that's like 
they all got together and was like, all right, we're going to give money to the black community. The minimum is $100 million. Right. You got it. You got it. Nike, you got it. Yeah. Um, Netflix, you got it. Like Now, if they, if, if they, you know, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of corporate giving and, or corporate financing, but, you know, it's got to start somewhere. Um, like, for example, um, I remember reading about this lady in New Orleans or St. Louis. I think it was St. Louis. She had a bakery or she wanted to open a bakery in her community in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And the white banks wouldn't give her money. And it was a black owned bank that gave her money to start her business. And this had to be about maybe a couple years ago when I saw the news piece on her. And she said, if it wasn't for that black owned bank, I wouldn't have my business. And my business has been going for 50 something years. So maybe this is the jumpstart of people realizing that our communities that we had, um, like the black wall streets, the, the black bottom in Detroit, the, um, uh, what else? Like all the all the communities in Chicago, um, like Inglewood, things like that. Maybe this will help propel the community as a whole because now we're able to get those loans where we couldn't get them. Mm-hmm. Now we're able to get those houses where we couldn't get them. Oh, that's funny you said something about housing because uh, John Legend had tweeted about uh yeah. did you see that don't change the name of a master bedroom yeah show me the house that i'm not technically that that you wouldn't show me mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying i didn't i mean it makes sense that it's a thing yeah. like but i never thought about stuff like that i'm qualified for this house but you're not showing me that because i'm black mm-hmm. what do you think i'm gonna bring down the property value mm-hmm. like mm. where where we at right now if you go 10 minutes over in the Park Heights, mm-hmm. which is a predominantly Jewish community. Um, beautiful houses over there, houses for sale. But guess what? You would never know that because they would steer you over this way. Mm-hmm. Or they would steer you five minutes down the block to the other end of Park Heights. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and it's, I mean, it's almost a collaboration between like really, you know, because Rick, Real estate agents, you know, they network. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get your group of, you know, partners and it's like, hey, I got somebody looking for a house. Um, what you got? Well, I got these set of houses over here. What was, you know, and, and they, it, it's, it should be legal, but that's what redlining is. What is, okay. I never heard of that. Um, the term redlining. So um, if you get the book, it's a book called The Color of Law. Um how the government segregated America, something like that. But I know it's called the color of law. But basically, it 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 says that um, um, you know, government sponsored agencies like HUD and you know, and, and real estate agents and, and things like that, they kind of draw an imaginary fence around where we can live. Hmm. And so you get situations like real estate agents who will show you these 10 houses over here, but you qualify for these 20 houses over here, but you would never know it. Hmm. And, and, um, it's, it's become, and 
you know, the, the other end of that spectrum is gentrification, which is the opposite of that, which is what we see in, you know, down in Canton and um, over in, in, in Philly, over in uh, near um, where that comic book store is. Oh, uh, South Street? No. Um, Wait, the uh, comic book store that I told you about? Yeah. Like, I think that, uh, is that, I'm not sure what street I think that's South Street. But over, if you drive, if you take, because you know I'm always up there, mm-hmm. you know, so, like, going through, like, when you take 95, and, like, I'm going past the city, and you, you see all the new buildings going up, you know, all mm-hmm. the new condos and stuff, mm-hmm. and you think about who was there before, and it was us. Mm-hmm. We've been overtaxed and pushed out to make way for these you know, high-end condos and um, what's going on in Northwest uh, D.C. around Howard, all mm-hmm. on U Street. I was just down there the other day. And, you know, gentrification is, is fucking ugly, man, but um, it's a thing, you know. So um, it, it, it's a lot to reshaping our, our cultural um our, our culture as an entity. Um, you had said something that sparked something for me. Uh, did you see the BET Awards this week? No. Okay, so they did a 2020 version of Fight the Power. <clears throat> Public Enemy, Rhapsody, and Nas. Nah, yep. And Nas said, once Central Park was a thriving black town. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. S- Seneca Village. Oh. Yep, it was, called, uh, it was called Seneca Village, and they, they bulldozed it to make way for Central Park. Um, and that that is, like, like for example, uh, my mother's childhood church in Detroit was down um, on Willis and Brush, which is what is now Wayne State University. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the 1950s, uh, yeah, the late 1950s, um, all of a sudden, the church caught on fire mysterious uh-huh. and next thing you know wayne state university is now putting up buildings there so that area now is wayne state um detroit medical center the va hospital um we we see it all the time we just and it's hard to prove that they're doing this you know what i'm saying um here in baltimore the highway to nowhere if you if you look at old pictures, that was a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And they cleared everybody out. They cleared the houses out. They cleared the land out because they was trying to make this highway go straight from downtown. And it, it, it was supposed to connect to I-70 out here. Right? Mm-hmm. But they they ran out of funding. You know, you, you, you could only move the people so many times and move so many people. And finally, it just they just gave up. And so that's why, what is it, a, a mile and a half? And it's highway, but then it just comes up to a street. Mm-hmm. But that was supposed to be a connector. And so they literally bulldozed the neighborhood that was there to make way for this highway. Um, same thing happened in Black Bottom in Detroit. They, they literally bulldozed the highway and what is now I-75 through downtown Detroit used to be where people lived and worked. It used to be where black people lived and worked and had businesses. And it was it was the kind of place where where black people could only live. 
you know, you couldn't live anywhere else out in the city. Um, but they ran bulldozers through it and put a highway through it. And it happens all the time. Um, I saw a picture, uh, I think it's the Edgar Allan Poe homes here in Baltimore. And they are right across the street from a condo building that's going up. But pretty soon, you know, those quote unquote project homes are going to be bulldozed to make way for more condo buildings. They're going to, they're going to move the people just like what happened where, um, where the projects used to be on the West side. Um, I'm not too familiar, but is that Murphy homes? Yes. Okay. All right. You know, they, they bulldoze all of that stuff and they move and they scattered the people out to Howard County and Howard County ended up suing the state of Maryland because they didn't want those people moving in there. That's why if you go to Howard County, if you notice all the quote unquote hood people live in one section mm. and the police heavily patrol that area, but those people came from the city. They, you know, and you look at what they're doing down now, what what they're doing down there now, and it's almost criminal. Mm-hmm. But it's all done in the name of, you know, uh, improving the city. <laughs> Speaking of improving the city, uh, well, just the whole state of Maryland. Governor Hogan proposes $345 million cuts in public school funding. $201 million cuts in statewide K-12 school funding aid impacting every jurisdiction in the state. 32 million cut in capital improvements for schools including a 21 million cut to healthy school facility funds. 8 million to the public school safety. As a former educator, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think a lot of people know you were. Mm, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, how do you feel about that? Um, I fucking hate it. But when you look at what happened in the past three, four months mm-hmm. with, I mean, basically the the state level and the Fed level propped everybody up. You know, they, they gave everybody an extra $1,200. Mm-hmm. It was giving extra everybody, you know, who's on un- or everybody who's filing for unemployment. You know, it was something we're at, what, 40, 40 plus million people, mm-hmm. you know, um so in order to pay for that you have to in order to add here you've got to subtract somewhere um and that's what a lot of the the whole defund the police comes from you know people are like remember um Christopher Dorner yeah out in Cali out in Cali mm-hmm. you know that's one thing he was saying is like you know the police are they they soak up so much of the but I think LA the city of Los Angeles police department has something like a, a $2 billion budget. And he's like, it's bullshit. For what? For what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Motherfucker I, for what? I saw, I saw a picture of, of, you know what an APC is? No. It's like a military style, um, armored vehicle. Okay. And it's huge. You know, it's, it's damn near bomb proof. Um, you know, it's got like gun turrets on the top and all, all that kind of shit. And there was a town, there's a town in North Carolina that has a population of like 93,000 people and like something like 300 cops. They got an APC carrier. They got an armored personnel carrier. And people are like, why? What, what do y'all need that for? Um, 
you know, a lot of these police departments, you know, they want to act like this is a war zone. Mm-hmm. That that that's why I'm always on Facebook saying, you know, like quoting Ti, can't you see we living in the war zone? You know, they bringing all this heavy shit in. They they keep you know, um over overfunding the police for shit like that. In Philly, they just took away thirty three million dollars from that. the police overnight. Overnight, yeah, that and was tight. Back to the museum. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's that easy to do things, now, why couldn't you do it then? You know, that was my whole thing about the now everybody's finding a hundred million dollars. Like, this isn't something that just started three days ago, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, you knew these look, you knew these low income communities had issues. You knew this, yep. like, so now all of a sudden, because all this stuff happened, you need to save face to make sure nobody attacks your brand. Now it's like they want, they want to be on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, but. I mean, as far as, you know, education, I, I, I always have a soft spot for education. Mm-hmm. Don't cut the education. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. You know what I'm saying? People don't realize that when you cut, um, when you cut the, the breakfast budget, you know, you got kids who don't eat breakfast. You know, so you got an so eight-year-old coming to school hungry, mm-hmm. and they can't concentrate. So now... They're in class acting up. Mm-hmm. So then they get an IEP. And and the teachers don't want to deal with them. Um, and, you know, they get they get this label. Mm-hmm. And then they grow up with this label. But it comes from shit like, oh, they are just fucking hungry. Yeah. But there's no money in the budget to feed them. You know, my mom, she used to, um, when she taught back in Detroit, there was... You know, um, she when it came to like Thanksgiving, she would not ask the kids, "Hey, what are you having for Thanksgiving?" She wouldn't ask them that because the majority of her students were going home to empty refrigerators. So you, so as a as a ten year old, twelve year old, you know, you're looking at society and you know you're seeing the the ads for come get this sixteen pound turkey. Oh, in the Thanksgiving season, make sure you with your family and you know you're this and that. And imagine if you going home, if you live in East Baltimore, you live in East St. Louis, and you ain't got no food. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? You know what I'm saying? Hurt, embarrassed. Um, just it's, it's like there's one school in New Jersey. Um, it was a black principal. Um, and he installed washing machines for his students. Mm-hmm. And the um, the attendance went up because you got kids who would come to school to do their laundry, something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Improve it's a self confident, you know. Hey man, you you know what it's like. I know yeah. what it's like. Imagine you know, sixteen, you wearing dirty clothes, you wearing the same. I wear I wear these shorts on Monday. You wear I wear that shirt on Tuesday. And you know what I'm saying? That that happens a lot. But when you have somebody that's backing you, that understands where you come from, mm-hmm. the situation, that can say, all right, I got extra money in the budget to put washing machines in the school and to tell the kids, hey, come in and wash your clothes. You know, that, that's, a, that's less of a burden on that, that home. Mm-hmm. He had money to, um, to uh, open the school on the weekends. And at night, to say, "Hey, come in, 
If y'all want to play on the computers, cool. Y'all just want to shoot some hoops, cool. Y'all want to get your little dance team together, whatever y'all want to do. I got money to keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. I got money to keep to to pay the security guards. Because if you in here, you ain't doing shit you out ain't there. Out there getting getting yourself locked up, getting beat on, getting killed, beat, shot, anything. all the simple drugs. It's it's a trade, and I don't I don't understand how people don't understand it's a trade off. It's like if you if you for that particular instance, like you gave me initiative to come to school, mm -hmm. like something minor as that, like. I might not even like school, but I know in school I can get my clothes washed. Mm -hmm. I can get a meal mm -hmm. and learn mm -hmm. because I can't I can't get that at home. Exactly. And that's a lot of kids. Like yeah. you were saying, that's a lot of children that they don't have that. Like, it, And it's those little things. Mm -hmm. So cutting out $300 million from the budget, $20 million for this, $30 million for that, $10 million for that, it cuts at the little things mm -hmm. that go a long way. You know, like, like, um, I was talking to my man about this today. Um, we, we was talking about Philando Castile. Mm. You know, that man was exercising his Second Amendment right to carry a gun. You know, um, and as he was, you know, the, he told the cop, I have my gun. And as he was reaching for his ID, the cop shot him. But, you know, and then following that, the kids that he worked with had to go to school on Monday knowing that Mr. Phil wasn't there. He paid the lunch debt for a lot of kids, which is crazy because if you're in elementary school and you got a lunch debt, you can't eat lunch. Yeah. I They, uh, with Corey, I remember they did that one time. It wasn't a sense of she couldn't, she couldn't eat, but she had a negative balance on her account. Right. And they are like... keeping food from an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But. When you when you hop in an airplane and you fly over and you look down and you seeing all of this farmland, mm -hmm. you know my mother always stresses the fact that nobody in this country should be hungry. Mm -hmm. No, you you how is it how is it even legal to to basically put an eight year old in debt for food? Mm -hmm. And and he used to and Philando Castillo used to pay the lunch debt for his students so that they could eat lunch, and the cops killed him. They they took that they took that piece of positive positivity in the community away, mm -hmm. and all he was doing was exercising his right to carry a gun, which is what these white people be standing. Which they walked into the fucking state buildings mm -hmm. and said with their guns on. Which I don't know how you get into a government building with a fucking weapon. I can't even go into a government building with a pen, mm -hmm. which I, I I have had to deal with that. Oh, you got a pen? Oh, you got to go back and put that in the car. A pen? A pen. Something to write with. And I had I had shit to write. And I'm like, bro, I just walked two blocks. You mean I got to go back for a pen? And Man, these you people, can't throw this shit in the trash on me? And these people walked in there with M14s and pistols on their leg. White people. But this man, and they say, we'll do everything right. He mm -hmm. went to college. He had a degree. He was building a career. He had a family. And they took that away. He was helping the kids. So it's it's the little things that go a long way. And, you know, it's, I don't know how you plug the hole. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But you got to try somehow. Um, shift of gears a little bit. Uh, Negro League celebrates 100 years. Mm -hmm. Are you 
Do, I feel like, do you have like, uh, like Negro League jerseys? Okay, all right, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. jerseys, and um, do you have any cards? No, no. um, I don't think there were any cards because the Negro, the Negro League was disbanded, um, in the thirties. I want, I want to say going into like the forties. What does the Negro League mean for somebody like yourself that was in school and went through sports and? Things of that nature. It it's every. I um I feel like I'm kind of different because number one, um my uh, great grandfather was part owner of the Detroit Stars. Really? Yeah. So I grew See, up. We part in the night. <laughs> we part in the night. So I grew up knowing that. Um. So I knew about um. The Detroit Stars, the Atlanta Black Crackers, the New York Black Yankees. Atlanta Black Crackers. crackers. Yep. Um, the the New York Black Yankees, um, the Cuban X Giants, and um, I remember I had I used to have two jerseys. I was ninth, tenth grade. I had two jerseys, one for the Pittsburgh Crawfords, and one for the Homestead Grays. And I remember my brother had a Homestead Grays. Hat. Yeah, had the G on. It. Yeah. Um, which if you go out to LA, it means something totally different. Yeah. Um, but I remember I had walked into, okay, so when you go into base, they have what's called the, the PX or BX. It's okay. basically like a Walmart um, on base. Okay. And I was in Germany and they always bring people over, vets or whatever, whatever. And I walked into the, the PX and I had on, I never forget this shit, I had on my Pittsburgh Crawford's jersey and there was a table of older black men. I didn't know this. I, it was purely coincidence. Um, but I didn't know this, but they had played in the Negro Leagues. And I stopped and I'm looking at the, and I'm reading the thing and I'm looking at the guys. And one of the guys looked up, he said, I used to play for them. At 14 years old, I met a man that played for the Pittsburgh Crawfords, um, Josh Gibson. They say Josh Gibson was the black Babe Ruth. Mm -hmm. They say he hit he hit a ball over old Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. Um Satchel Page, mm -hmm. one of the one of the best hitters, one of the best pitchers, some you know, ja uh, Jackie Robinson. Mm -hmm. He played in the Negro Leagues before he went to the majors. Mm -hmm. He was, you know what I'm saying, you watch the movie 42, the the shit that he dealt with, you know what I'm saying, being the first. Mm -hmm. So the first one through the door is always the first one to get shot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, Buck O'Neill, um, all, all of these names. And, and you know, I, I, like right now, I'm down to just one hat um, for the Birmingham Black Barons. But somebody was like, oh, is that the big baller brand? I was like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but That's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the Negro League is everything because – during during those times, man, we we as a, as a people couldn't participate in sports. Mm -hmm. um, give you give you a, another little little jewel. There was a a Jewish team out of Benton Harbor, Michigan, which at the time um, Henry Ford was a very uh, he was very anti-Semitic and didn't even hide it. Um, the Jewish team. They had long beards. Well, they would stand over the plate, and if the ball hit their beard, that's considered a part of the body. 
Well, all you had to do was stand over the plate, let the ball hit your beard, you take the base. And you just keep doing that over and over and over, and guess what? You you keep scoring runs. Mm-hmm. So that's how they kept winning. That's some fucking bullshit. Right? <laughs> but you have, you know, things like teams like the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. You know, black people couldn't play in the early basketball league. So we formed our own. Mm-hmm. And did it better. And did it better. Way better. Um, and that's and that's what happened with, with baseball in the Negro Leagues is they were like, shit, they out there balling. You know, Jackie Robinson is out here doing this thing. And that was kind of the demise of the Negro Leagues is it, it kind of sucks, man, because we live to a standard of white America. Mm-hmm. So if everybody's cheering for the major league, we want to be a part of the major leagues. We want to show them that we can do it, mm-hmm. and we can do it better. So then they let one through the door, Jackie Robinson, and then it's like, oh, shit, well, he can ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh where'd he come from? He came from over there? Yeah. It's a it's a so whole lot more the talent away. Right, so you get the Roy Campanellas. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, did you know that black people in Canada were one of the first professional hockey leagues were started by black people? Yeah, I think we I talked about. Uh, I think I might. Yeah, yeah I might we have talked about that last episode. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, you you have that. So yeah, the Negro Leagues, man, it's it's very important. Um, the Baltimore Elite Giants were one of the consistently best teams in the Negro Leagues, mm. and they used to play on. I want to say 33rd and Alameda. It used to be a stadium over there. Hmm. I think prior to Memorial Stadium. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's what like uh, uh, I think it's like a YMCA over there now. Yeah, that, that's down the street from my city. Yeah, that yeah. that used to be where the Baltimore Elite Giants played. Go fucking figure. Um, there was a Cuban team, the the Cuban X Giants. You know what I'm saying? I remember being fifteen, and I had a I had a hat for the New York Black Yankees. Mm-hmm. And this guy, this older guy, he was in his twenties or whatever. I was in a Burger King. And he did a double take in my hat. And he was like, New York Black Yankees, what's, what does that mean? And I said, well, there was a team in the Negro Leagues. And he immediately looked at me like, oh, shit. It really. <laughs> oh, it, this oh, is oh, real. This yeah. is not it's, not. it's not some some anti-white shit. Yeah. Like, no, this it was a real team. And so people don't know the history. You know what I'm saying? And that's the, that's the one thing I do like about, about Major League Baseball is every year i want to say the early part of the season you like may june they honor the negro league mm-hmm. and the teams now will play in negro league uniforms that's fire yeah, yeah. i didn't know they did that yeah yeah actually when i was doing my research I seen that they had something about the negro leagues mlb.com mm-hmm. and i automatically skipped over it because i felt like they just, just my perception, like looking from the outside in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are they really going to tell what okay. I need? But obviously, that shows. Base, baseball does a really good job. Major League Baseball does a really good job of telling that part of history and telling it right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Saying, hey, there was severe segregation. It was heavy segregation. You know the the death threats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Hank Aaron when he broke uh, Babe Ruth's record. You know what I'm saying? They was pissed. They was writing them letters. You know, I'm fucking kill you. Hang yourself. I never understood niggas that take sports that serious. I 
Never. Like, even, like, when niggas like, I hate LeBron. It's like, bro, it's sports, bro. You, it's, it's crazy because, uh, I mean, all you gotta do is look at Kaepernick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Three, year, three four years ago, they was like, ah, ah, he taking a knee. He's ruining our game. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And all he was saying was, hey, I'm doing this to protest police brutality. Mm-hmm. And now the NFL put out some shit like, oh, we're going to play the, the Black National Anthem before the Star Spangled Banner. Get the fuck out of here, man. You know what I'm saying? Anytime Get you Get rid have, of the master bedroom. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when Michael Vick signed to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you, that. No you you had people out there protesting him because of some alleged dogfighting shit that he was involved in, mm-hmm. but they was out there protest protesting in Ben Roethlisberger jerseys. A rapist. A rapist. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man. Like, like what? Like, what are you really mad at? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? People take sports way too serious. Folks is like, oh, what about the rioting? Oh, I can't believe they're rioting. We're rioting because people are dying. Y'all mm-hmm. are rioting because your fucking football team won a goddamn Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Speaking of somebody that, well, actually somebody that doesn't take sports serious, shout out to Maya Moore. A black man that was wrongfully sentenced to 50 years in prison has been released as a campaign from the WNBA champion Maya Moore, who sat out two seasons to help overturn his conviction. Jonathan Irons was convicted of a non-fatal shooting in 1997 at the age of 16. He is now 40, just being released. Shout out to Maya Moore, man. Um, The Atlanta Dream, the owner tweeted out some, some, some fucked up shit, and... um. I think uh, a lot of the players are like, oh, oh, yeah, that's how you feel? We out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, Look at what uh, the L.A. Clippers did when Donald Sterling started running off at the mound. You know, like, there's there's a lot of voice to be heard by these professional athletes, Mm -hmm. and they're using it. Yeah. You know, know, um, Laura Ingram, you know, she got on TV and told LeBron, just shut up and dribble. Yeah, and, and then walk like, back on that. Walk back on that when it was another athlete. Yeah, who was, who was that? It was somebody recent. Drew Brees. Yes, that's it. it was the Drew Brees situation. And that and that man, fuck that dude, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like like I put on Facebook, yo. He's sitting there talking about yeah, you know my my grandfather fought in World War II to make this country a better unit. I mean a better country. Well, my grandfather fought in World War II also in a segregated unit. You know what I'm saying? Um. You, you had the Tuskegee Airmen who were pretty much told, well, you can't do this because you're black. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked about it last episode. Yeah. You know, and, and for him to even, for his brain to formulate that thought, to say, yeah, this is a good idea, say that shit. It's like, bro, do you know your fucking history? And, I, and that's why I said, you know what? Shut up and keep calling plays. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's... it's not- it's the same thing. So I, I like the fact, you know who is a very, very, very intelligent person, and I don't think he's heard enough. Um, he used to he used to be in the NFL. Um, Arian Foster. Yes. I checked out his podcast. Really good rapper really, as well. Yeah, bro. Um, Bobby Fino? Yeah. I, I've been telling you, y'all. Yeah, you told me. Like, yeah, I think I... Um, probably like right after you had said something, I started listening. It was probably like last year, two years ago. But his podcast is really good. Yeah. Which I didn't notice him 
Like, I didn't notice how intelligent he was until I want to say, was he on the Drink Chats podcast or was it T.I. podcast? No, 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 no. I think it's when he did the pull up with Joe Button. It was one of those three, either mm-hmm. T.I. podcast, which I think it was, uh, Drink Champs or the pull up. And just how articulate he was, just conveying like his thoughts. It was like, damn, I, I never would have thought that. And, it's, and he has a podcast himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember, remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. But it sucks that man that, that, that we pigeonhole athletes into being quote unquote dumb athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was a, a guy who played for the Ravens, uh, an offensive lineman who was in school to get his PhD while he was playing in the league, mm. and he didn't tell the team that that's what he was doing. He was going to get his PhD in mathematics, <laughs> <laughs> mathematics, bro. Smart PhD, and he's mm. out there playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Clark, um, what's his name? Uh, from the Bay, played for the Seahawks. Richard Sherman. Yeah. No, not Richard Sherman. Um, Beast Mode. Oh, Mar- Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He is... Financial fu- literacy. Fi- yeah, man, the man up. saved $50 million. $50 million. You know That's what I'm saying? But people see the golds. Mm-hmm. He's got a degree. Mm-hmm. He's got a degree in, in sociology. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Clark, who used to play for the Steelers. Um, he is... It, and and it kind of sucks, man, because, you know, like I, I was talking to my man today, you know, and, and, and I said when, when people see me and they see my tattoos on my arm and they see, you know, oh, he lived weight. I've had people, I've had literally had people ask me, so what school did you did you play for? What? Motherfucker, mm-hmm. I went to college to get a degree. Mm-hmm. I didn't play sport. They don't even have a football team at UMBC. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't do none of that shit. But people automatically think if you're if you're a certain way, if you're a certain thing, you're a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Sherman, you know, he made one of the best plays in one of the biggest games at the time, and he he was hyped up, mm-hmm. hyped up. You know, they put they stuck a microphone in his face, and he's still amped up for the game. Been running around for sixty minutes, hitting people. You know what I'm saying? He G'd up. He's happy they won. He going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, they was like, oh, he's a thug. That motherfucker graduated from Stanford, bro. Mm-hmm. That's an Ivy League level college. He graduated. But all of a sudden, he's a thug. And it's crazy how they pigeonhole us in certain things. You know, athletes. Like, um, oh, shit. Baller for the... Uh, Trailblazers. Damian, Damian Lillard. Lillard. Uh, oh, God. He's a phenomenal rapper. Phenomenal as well. rapper. If, if you listen to him talk, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Articulate. Articulate. You know what I'm saying? And, and it just it just really sucks, man, that they like, oh, oh, you can you can shoot a three-pointer? Mm-hmm. Well, well, tell me about how you practice. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, practice? Motherfuckers, people out here dying. I'm giving to, I'm giving to, to, find, to community causes, and you asking me about shooting three-pointers in practice? Mm-hmm. Fuck out of here, man. You know? And and that's why we have to have more more people in journalism mm-hmm. um, on the production side. Um, not just with the microphone. Like like you sent me when, when Bamani Jones ethered that motherfucker. Ooh, that was good. People don't... I don't think good. he realized who he was going up against. Nah. Like, Bamani Jones is fucking genius-level sports journalist. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, you're not going to 
say some bullshit to him and let it ride. Mm-hmm. He's going to ether the shit out of you. As he did. As he did. You know what I'm saying? So we have to have more more people of color behind the scenes who can write the news stories that need to be put out. You know what I'm saying? Um, big ups to NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Who, who took a stand. Took a stand behind Bubba Wallace. Because yeah, that motherfucker, the, uh, the the guy that Bamani Jones was going up against, he tried to make it seem like, oh, they should have waited to do the fast. No, they did the right thing. Mm-hmm. The shit happened, they addressed it right then and there. Mm-hmm. You let the shit linger, it only gets worse for mm-hmm. everybody, including yep. us. Yep. Like it, it gets worse for the company. Just address it now. Watch, um, jump on Netflix and look up a uh, documentary called Uppity. Okay. It's about Willie T. Ribs. Who was the first black IndyCar driver for the Indianapolis 500? Okay. He had been racing cars um, for about 20 years, and he just talked about his struggle and fighting the races. You know what I'm saying? And talk about Wendell Scott, um, who drove NASCAR in the 50s, uh-huh. and what he had to go through. People telling him, "Hey, man, we're gonna fucking kill you if you get in that car." You know, he had drivers trying to kill him. And all he was trying to do was just drive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, side note, you know who's a big NASCAR fan? Who? Uh, Brad Doherty. Really? He, he used to play for the Cavs. Yeah. But he's from he's from North Carolina. You know, um, Tall, light-skinned dude. Yeah. He was their center, right? He was the center. Uh, early 90s. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he, I, I want to say he switched from reporting for the NBA to report for NASCAR. That's fire. Yeah. But yeah, we 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 need you know what I'm saying. It's not, and and that's why I like when when I see you know these cats on these dirt bikes and how they ride them. I'm like, bruh, all we need is a chance. Like, mm-hmm. man, y'all should be out there on the motocross tracks. That's why it's always cool to see Chino. Chino actually getting the deals and actually mm-hmm. going through. Uh, X Games. I think yeah. he did X Games stuff. He's getting sponsored by people that, yeah, actually like Nigel Houston. With the skateboard, mm-hmm. um, um, I, you know, I wish, um, I wish Meek Mill's dirt bike thing had become more of a, more of a, a wave. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? All we 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 can do whatever they put in front of us. Mm-hmm. We just got to get the opportunities to do it. Black, black people are special, bro. Yeah, black yeah. people are special. I don't. We don't. You know how I go. We still don't get that kind of credit exactly. that we should. Um, one last thing on on like a little current event. We just celebrated uh, Bobby Bonilla's day. <laughs> uh, for AKA people, Bobby Bands. <laughs> people don't know. Every July, every year on July first, Bobby Bonilla's gets a check of about one point one nine million. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, $1.9,248.20 from the New York Mets for doing absolutely nothing. Uh, even though he's 57, hasn't played in the big league since 2001, he hasn't played for the Mets since 1999. That money's still coming. He gets to check every July 1st until 2036. A little tidbit. He actually gets paid more than their top star who is getting paid around 500k a year. Yeah. And somehow or another even the Orioles are tied into that. The Orioles have to pay him money as well. Yeah. Um I don't know if that's I think that extends past 
the 2036 or it's concurrent. I'm not too sure. Something in the way that a lot of these players sign these contracts, they get money. Like, for example, when Alex Rodriguez signed to the, I the think, Rangers. To the Rangers. Uh-huh. He signed for like $300 million. Mm-hmm. The C- The Seattle Mariners had to pick up a piece of that tab. So no matter he what. He was with three teams. Yeah. He went from the Mariners to the Rangers to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. But somehow in structuring that contract, he gets money. He gets a check for the rest of his life from the Mariners. Um, <laughs> so, yo, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, 1.19 from the uh, million-dollar check. All right, wait, I got it. The uh, A second deferred contract plan with the Mets and the Orioles pays him 500000 a year for 25 years. Those payments begin, began in 2004. Mm-hmm. Yo, that's insane. We just had to be a part of that dumbass shit. Like, fucking Orioles. But but you know what, though? But that's the thing, though. When you, you know, these, these teams... Um, you know they 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 think the money is coming. Oh oh yeah, it's no big deal. With a million dollars, boom. And it just so happened that the Mets was tied in with the Bernie Madoff shit. Mm-hmm. The bottom fell out. But Bobby but but Bobby uh, uh, Bonilla was like, mm mm, contract niggas. You see this? You see? I need my money. Yep. <laughs> and they gotta pay him. Yeah, it's funny as shit. That shit worked. Uh, let's switch over to a little bit of music. Uh, you know we're on the eve. Well. By the time y'all hear this, and sorry for release, but uh, Pop Smoke album's coming out. Uh, Pop Smoke was murdered in uh, about February in Cali, a home invasion. Mm-hmm. Um, the latest thing about the whole thing, you got 50 on board helping to make sure this is out. Steven Victor, which a lot of people don't realize, Steven Victor is um, Pusha T's manager, if mm. I'm correct. Uh, or he has he has ties to Pusha T. Like mm-hmm. um, Stephen Victor on the boards, but uh, Virgil, Virgil, Off White Virgil, uh, did the cover and people shitted on the cover. It was a lazy cover, a lazy cover that uh, people are saying that he actually stole from an artist. He, it's a story that he's saying. The last conversation that he had with Pop Smoke was, you know, him telling about uh roses and how it was like reference to how he grew up in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and about roses and how it feels like barbed wires around him and stuff like that. But an artist recently came out and said he stole my whole fucking idea, which happens a lot, and and a lot a lot of times you know bigger artists get the credit for it. But let's see, uh, Pop Smoke, uh. Pop Smoke debut is it's heavy. It's heavy. Um, heavy features, which I'm not too sure. Honestly, I didn't become a Pop Smoke fan until after he passed. I, I always got him confused with Fazio Foreign, which is another Brooklyn rapper. Okay. But so like I never really listened to the music, but it is star studded. He has Future the Baby, Lil Baby, Quavo, Sway Lee, Rowdy Rich, and Fifty on his debut album, mm-hmm. which is dope. And I commend Fifty, which is Another cancer. Um, I think 50 birthday is the third okay. or the sixth. It might be the sixth. But um, I commend him for actually seeing this project through. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tiger's on it as well. Um, I do feel like it's a lot of fucking features. Um, but it's like, I understand. Debut, debut album. 
it's not just a mixtape. It's something that he's been working on mm -hmm. prior to his death. So, you know, salute to them, man. You know, I, man, what the fuck is up with these artists putting out, getting on, and and putting out they one major album, and then they getting fucking killed, man. Yeah, it's uh, our fucking community. Yeah, and it's kind of sad because he didn't really reach nowhere near where he was supposed to be. Like he he was like fifty. Yeah, he. 50 even say he reminded him of 50. He reminded him of himself. I had never, I had never heard of him until he he was murdered. Mm -hmm. But I heard a song by him the other day, and I really like his fucking music. Yeah, I that's I'm, I'm the same way. I'm the same way now. Yeah, and it's like you know that drill sound, but I really fuck with the music now because at first I couldn't see it because, like I said, I always got him confused with mm -hmm. another Brooklyn artist, but. I love GS9, Bobby, Bobby Schmurda and Rowdy Rebel. Mm -hmm. Like I love their music. And it was no different than that. That mm -hmm. that's that was the sound of music that he had with them. And I excuse me, it's unfortunate that I really didn't figure it out until later, but I fuck with it, man. Yeah. I, I, I fuck with pop, man. I was And it and it just sucks, man, that that that's that's all we're gonna hear. Yeah. That's it. Even if they spread the music out, it's like, you got to think the time. It's like, that's why I like, for me, I kind of would, how can I put this? I look at this shit like stat bundles. Everybody know how I feel about stat bundles music. I got the Desert Storm joint on it. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like seven to ten, because like this, this track, listen, it's, it's 19 songs. In my opinion, looking at this, in the climate that we are now and how people consume music so fast, I would have did 10 songs. I would have did nine or 10 songs, split that up into two albums, yeah. release one in the summer, and then release one at the end of the year or at the top of the year, and then we got Pop Smoke year round. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Like That's what mm -hmm. I would have did from an executive standpoint, but you know, I trust Stephen Victor to do what's supposed to be done for this young man, and it's, it's unfortunate, but you know. Rest in peace, Pop Smoke. Um, where we at now? Oh man. Uh, speaking of another Huey from um Baby Huey, Pop Lock and Drop It. Mm. He was murdered. He oh. was murdered. Yeah. I saw the heat. Yeah. He was murdered. Um, over the weekend, if I'm correct. Young. I think he was only thirty-two. Wait a minute. Yeah, because the song came out. He was seventeen. And it came out. I realize that. It came out 18 years ago. It came out 18 years ago. Something like that. That sound about right anyway. Yeah. I'm tripping. Well, he was 16, but it was it was double digit, um, um, years. Years ago. Let me see. Let me look that joint up. Um, but yeah, man. Yup, 2006. So that was 14 years ago. 14 years ago. Yeah, that 14. Shit came out. Yep. That's when um, T Pain was on that run. Kill that remix, by the way. Um, but well, yeah, man. Rest in peace, to baby Huey, man. Oh fuck yes, that remix was. Yeah. The remix was better than the fucking original. Yeah. And, fucking little bow. I uh, fucked that remix up. Uh, damn, let me stop yeah. saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something we should have covered uh, earlier. Sean is running for the House of Representatives in Belize. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Gloria. I asked Gloria about it, and Gloria was like, mm mm, mm mm, that ain't it. Mm. 
that ain't it. I guess he's trying to follow in, follow in his father's in footsteps. footsteps. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought it was funny to see uh, Diddy reposted. Like my brother is is uh, nigga whatever. You oh, set wow. that nigga up, bro. He did love, ten years. I love Belize, man. I went down there, man. It's fucking awesome down there. Shout out to my cousin, my auntie Barbara. I, uh, I met a real cool, cool ass cab driver named uh, Pedro. He was going. Mm. He was going to take me. <laughs> but here's the crazy part, man. They um, they they speak English, mm-hmm. but they speak English Spanish because it's so close to like Guatemala and shit. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> it was so funny being down there. I was in the cab, and he, he they they had to be young college students, and he was asking some stupid fucking questions like. Do you all celebrate tea time around here? My man was like, what? And I'm sitting in the back of the cab like, these motherfuckers. And so when they got out the cab, I was like, man, these stupid motherfuckers. He turned around. He was like, you're American? He said, man, I thought you was from Belize. Said, nah, bro, you get that a lot. You get everywhere. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the thing about being black, man. Once you go somewhere and they see you, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you from here. Mm-hmm. And then you start talking, you're like, oh, you're not from here. Which is cool because to a certain extent, you get treated like a local. So exactly, they're not like exactly. on some, oh, yeah, he's American, he's a snob, and all that kind nope, of shit. So, nope. And that's the thing, man. That's, that's the plus. one thing I love about, about Belize is everybody I interacted with, you know what I'm saying? They, they look like me. So, mm-hmm. and I ain't going to treat them no different. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I, I went to, when I went to the Virgin Islands, I'm walking down the street, and this little old man was like, hey, what's up, cousin? I'm like, talking. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good to see you back home. I was like, okay. Yeah, I was. You know how it is yeah. up there, <laughs> up, right? up there, wherever the fuck yeah. I was. But yeah, shout out um, to Belize, man. It's, yeah. it's a cool country, man. Uh, did you know that um, Lady Gaga was on the original "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe"? Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to be a swap. Apparently, it was a song that she did that song because. Kendrick Lamar had a song. Well, she had a song that Kendrick Lamar wanted to use, and it was like creative differences or whatever. Uh, basically, he took the song and when he re-recorded it, it stripped it. They stripped it down so much that she didn't approve of it. And in the midst of that, she did "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe." And when they severed that relationship, like no bad, bad times, just. Uh, creative difference between her and his camp or whatever. Mm-hmm. They ended up switching it, but she mm. was. It's on YouTube and all that. Mm. She sounds. She sounds good. Not as good as you know. Erica Badu did at the BET Awards, but she. It, it was a pretty decent. I'm. I'm glad they went that way. And I kind of feel like well during that time period she was somebody, but I wouldn't want that because of how big she was, and that was a debut album for him. So it was like, damn. <laughs> like so I mean we that's cool but something I found out during you know my research this week but uh let's see where we at uh I'm trying to hold off on that Tiana Taylor's new album Tiana Taylor put out a new album you like yes. it? you heard it I haven't heard it yet okay the intro made me cry Ooh. um the intro made me cry because there's it's the real life clip of Junie being born her daughter Ooh. her and Amon Shepard's daughter and mm-hmm. it's like they, she was born at home. He was scared. He was on. It was the nine one one call. Yeah, yeah. It was like I was cool up until he said, "Uh, the, the guy, the guy asked him, is he okay?" Or the guy asked him something, and I was like, "Damn, that was it for me." 
It might have been. Let me see. I like I like Tiana Taylor. I like her. I like her attitude, her her approach to mm-hmm. everything. You know, she she's no no nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just <laughs> I just I just went back and started watching fucking Rhythm and Flow, and the one chick looked just like her. I'm like, who's that? Um, the one girl, London B. She nice as shit. Yeah. She nice as shit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she looked like her. I was like, oh, they resemble each other very, very heavily. Like he's so frantic, bro. Like I can't imagine going through that, like having to deliver the baby. Yeah, childbirth freaks me out. But we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Cover the baby's head, not the face. Yeah, probably not going to listen to that. Hmm. Or uh, I'm trying to think of the part. Well, I was good up until the nigga asked him that. I was like, damn. Because he was, um, they they did, or Iman Shumpert, Iman Shumpert did an interview with uh, Jesus and Meryl when they was on Vice. And he was talking about that. He was like, it was, it was a beautiful moment, but he was like, man, I was scared of shit. Mm-hmm. He was like, that shit was going down, and I didn't know what to do. I was like, yeah, most people wouldn't. Yeah. You're not a medical professional. Hell no. It was when he said congratulations. I I was driving to work. I was driving to work, and I was like, "Damn, that shit got me, bro." Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. man, shout out to them. But on the album, she has a she has a future. I'm sorry, future. Future is on the album. Ironically, he's on this song with Missy. It's Missy Timbo. That was a different sound. Uh, Missy Timbo <laughs> is collaborating on it, and it just was that '90s that '90s mm-hmm. vibe. Um, collaboration is kind of like they attacked it on both ends of the of the fucking uh song like mm-hmm. Tim had ad libs on that motherfucker. Uh it makes me miss the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um and just like you remember the era of remixes and mm-hmm. do you miss when whole crews, like whole record label crews jumped on a remix? Absolutely. What's your favorite? Uh fuck dude. Um my favorite crew remix. Damn. Um. Oh man. Um. Remix. I think um. So so Dev did a really good job with stuff like that. Um, it was like a one-two punch. It was like you get the producer, and you get a rapper. I. I used to buy. I used to buy CD singles mm-hmm. because the remixes used to come on CD singles. B sides, B sides, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, as far as crew singles or crew remixes, damn, I can't think of one off the top of my head. But, um, like entire entire songs, like when um, EPMD did uh, Headbanger mm-hmm. with the Hit oh, Squad. Yeah, you know pos- real posse cuts are yes. a missing gem in hip hop. So it is so missing, man. Mm. And when um on on Busta Rhymes the coming um flip mode meets uh-huh. Death Squad. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Um the flip mode album. Mm-hmm. Uh who else? Who else? Who else? Damn. Um mm. They could really do shit like that now. QC could do shit like that now. Mm-hmm. They can have the Migos take take the Migos 
and Little Baby, and they shit on somebody remix. Mm -hmm. And you know what? A lost art, and I feel like that was kind of like it. It was lost within this generation. I'm gonna say after like ASAP Mob, mm -hmm. artists going to the radio stations and being able to freestyle all in one sitting, taking mm -hmm. over the show yeah. and just freestyling and yeah. stuff like that. That's like a real lost art. It, it really it. is. I think it peaked with like Rockefeller and Luther yeah, and going oh, like to ninety ninety-seven. Oh God. Oh man. Oh man, who that shit is legendary. I used to I used to live for posse cuts, man. Um We're gonna do a whole episode on posse cuts. I have I have a whole playlist of just remixes. I was okay. supposed to do the episode about two years ago. Okay. I just never got never got around to doing it, but I wanted to do a whole posse cut episode because it's it's so much rich history like that. Like going somewhere and I give you a prime example. Kid out here in Baltimore. Take Bang. Mm -hmm. I remember being in New York and to find his remix to have all three members of the lots on it. The lots rapping over a Baltimore classic song that he sampled, mm -hmm. Bankroll. Mm -hmm. And just to hear them on our kind of our kind of music is yeah. just like, that's phenomenal. And they floating on it. Like this beat is it might be regular to them, but that shit means something to us. Just yeah. growing up, I've heard that song by three. That's the third artist. And I believe the original artist was like, that is something different. Uh, <laughs> I believe the original artist is like a family member of his. But you had the the Tim Trees version, and you had the Paula Campbell version. Yeah. Then you have his Ooh, version. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, follow her oh, IG. That's, I was I was listening to um <laughs> Uh, the dude, you, the dude you just told me about. Take over. No, no, no. Oh. Last week, uh, uh, the two brothers on the podcast. Oh, it, it's the real. Yeah, I was listening to their episode with Big Boy. Oh, that is good. That nigga was like, "Yeah, my son, there, he got some in-house pussy." <laughs> I didn't get that part. Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but listening to okay, so I listened to I was I got halfway through it today. And then last week I was listening to Questlove Supreme when he interviewed CeeLo. Uh-huh. And to hear them talk about Atlanta hip hop and what mm -hmm. the Dungeon family did. Mm -hmm. And like one thing that, that CeeLo was saying is he was like, and I think Big Boy said it. He was like, when they did a remix, it was the entire Dungeon family. Yes. You know, it was like, okay, cool. It was I can't remember what song he said he was talking about. But he was like, it was an outcast song. Big boy? Yeah. Um, it, it was on Southern Playlist. It might have been the Players Ball remix. Or it might have been CeeLo. I can't remember which one. But whatever it was, the song ended up being like nine minutes. Mm -hmm. But that's because they, they was like, we all getting on this. Griselda can do this. Oh yeah. Griselda is probably the best best thing to do because mm -hmm. somebody like Westside keeps everybody in touch. Like yeah. it's like and he actually just tweeted about this, I think today, just talking about like we all we all even. Like mm -hmm. I understand we need to keep ourselves I'm paraphrasing, but basically it was alluding to the fact of people trying to like make trying to like separate them. Like them niggas is real family. Like yeah, they really brother, family. cousin, cousin uncle. Uncle, something some something crazy like that. Like that. Yeah. So I gotta watch that Benny the Butcher uh Tiny Desk, home tiny desk. I gotta see that. Uh he's sitting on the couch rapping. 
think I seen a preview. Of that I seen a preview, but I didn't. I didn't watch it yet. Benny Butcher is an amazing. I, I like West Side Gun. Yeah. If it, and if it had been for you, I would have skipped right over them niggas, man. But Yo, them them niggas is something special, bro. And it's like homegrown music, mm-hmm. and they not changing. They ain't changing they ain't not. shit. Like I say, they got on that on that free national song, <laughs> and it was a nice. They little shot that motherfucker up. They was talking about shooting <laughs> and selling guns. I'm like, doop, oh, doop, doop, doop. okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's go. Let's go straight to it now. Mm-hmm. Let's go straight to it now. Fab versus Jada Kiss, man. That shit did not go the way Fab thought it was going to go. <laughs> no, but you know what though? I think that's that's um the embodiment of that album, mm-hmm. Freddie versus Jason. Or it, no, they had to change the name. No, uh, did did they change the name? Yeah, yeah, it it was called Freddy vs. Jason. It was initially supposed to be called, I believe, Nightmare on Elm Street. There we or go. Like that. And I mean, that album was so underwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I I've always said that Ludacris, Jadakiss, Fabulous, and Lloyd Banks are some of the best lyricists from I'd say nine from 2000 mm-hmm. until now you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so, some of not the best some of the best and so that like jada kiss he just keeps coming his newest album ignatius is really good album and i i'm gonna be honest i ain't like a, a, a jada kiss album since like the first one really he doesn't he doesn't how can I put this? When it comes to Jadakiss, I feel like the lead up to the albums are good. Uh-huh. But once you get that album, it's a dud. Sheik makes the best albums out of all everybody in the lots. Oh yeah, he makes the best he, album. He did, but the fact, I, I maybe it's because he doesn't make, he doesn't like it's not all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, but Styles P is the most militant. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Stuff. It's not bad albums. It's just I feel like. You get, I feel like you're able to get consistent hit records out of Sheik, and yeah. Sheik not even trying to get a hit record. He's yeah. not, he's not trying to get a radio record, but he always seems to get a radio record out yeah. of all his albums. Which when I was growing up, I was like, Sheik the worst one. Mm. That's how I always looked at it. I always yeah, did Jada, three, Styles, Sheik. Sheik. Yeah, but um, but but yeah, Fab. Yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't. Pay. Honestly, man, I'm kind of burnt out from the versus thing. It was cool when everybody was quarantined and it was a great idea. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, we at home. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. You know what I'm saying? We, we're we going to give something to kind of liven up the people. But um, I think now it's just kind of played out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they was really feeling it. I, here's my thing about this particular battle. Two things. Fab should have had Clue up there. He shouldn't have mm-hmm. had Booth up there. Mm-hmm. I feel like Booth was the one picking the records. Mm-hmm. So anything that Booth played, Jadakiss had a counter for. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like... I feel like Fab didn't... Oh, Fab and Booth didn't read the room. The niggas that are listening to, and shout out to uh, Che, because he made mention of stuff like this particular situation when we were talking about uh, Alchemist versus somebody. I forgot who it was. It might have been like 
like just DJ Blaze. Mugs or something. Yes, it, no, I think it was like Just Blaze when he was talking about it. On okay. I'm not. I'm not sure. I gotta. I gotta um, go back on the episode. But he was talking about artists reading the room yeah. and the people that's coming in there for this particular battle. Yeah. See, like when you hear Jada Kiss and Fab, you think streets you think mixtapes i don't want to hear your girl records in these battles see i feel like fab what fab did was approach that shit like i gotta win and i'm gonna win with my hit records yeah but when it comes to kiss and he go to ride or die chick or he play his verse from he played blood pressure or he play he plays shit that it's like you can't counter i don't care how good this fucking record is this thing is on world war three Right. Like you can't, you can't really, you can't, you can't counter that. Right. Like you start playing, make you better and shit like that. But cause I want to pull up one of the, like the round for round joint. I think they, you know, it's, it's like, I think you got two, two schools of thought. Mm-hmm. So it's like, on the one hand, it's like, all right, I'm going to play the shit that, that made me famous mm-hmm. that put me out there. So, you know, you got the song with Lil Mo. You got the song with Tamia, but it's like if you're a true hip hop head like you are, mm-hmm. you know that Fab has four or five cuts on an album buried deep within an album that go a lot harder yep. than him on the sing song shit with Tamia. So you know that, that's that's why I never like I watch the verses, but I'm I try not to get too wrapped up in it mm-hmm. because I think it's like. And I think it really kind of peaked with um, Jill Scott and Erica Badu. Is everybody was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, play this, play this, play that." Um, but because um, I listened to an interview with Jill Scott and before her versus battle, it was like leading up to it, mm-hmm. and they was like, "Well, you should do this song and do that song," and she was like, "No, nah, I want to do songs that are heartfelt." Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and not my hits because those necessarily don't resonate the same way. Yeah, they made me a lot of money, but that's not where my heart is music. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes down to like two two schools of thought. Yeah. And the idea of I'm trying to win right. versus no pun versus versus actually going with the flow and if you pay attention like it was shit like he played, so he started off with Blackout. Jadica started off with his Blackout verse. He followed that. Fab followed that with You Ain't Got Nothing. Not a bad verse, but that's not beating Blackout. Kiss start with Recognize. Fab come with Six Minutes, which is an underrated song, but I don't even remember that version. I remember the Joe Button Stack Bundles version. Yeah. All right, start it up. By your side. The counters were... Trade it all, which was good, but he followed trade it all with Hold up. So two, 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 two. By your side was followed by Trade It All. So he won that round. All the love with the lots. Fab countered that with I'ma do it like shit. Songs that don't fucking matter. So it was like not 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 to mention Kiss has three different labels to pull from. Three mm-hmm. different times in hip hop he could pull from. Mm-hmm. 
from Bad Boy to Rough Riders to, to, Rockefeller. to Rockefeller to his, you know, he has things. And the thing that bothered me the most about Fab is the fact that Fab didn't go into his mixtape bag. That's what you're known for. Right. That's what you're known for. Like, why aren't you playing stuff from Summertime Shootout or Summertime Shootout 1 or 2 or any of this now, shit? Like like you say, reading the room. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe he was he was kind of feeling like, all right, you know, if he was on the East Coast, you know, you a hip hop head, you know my mixtape room. Mm-hmm. But to folks out in Texas and Colorado and Cali, mm-hmm. they may not know his mixtape room. They may know his his features uh, on the on the on mm-hmm. the R and B shit. Yeah. So it's kinda like, you know what I'm saying, yeah, he, he could have did the mixtape shit and on this side of the country we'd have been like Bet, mm-hmm. but on the other side of the country, they'd have been like, mm, "I don't know this song." Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so it's, I could go into a whole thing about this. Like, the thing about hip hop is we, we gotta stop comparing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jada Kiss and Fabulous are both fucking incredible ass artists, and you know the versus battle, like. All right, it was cool while we was in quarantine. And, yeah, but we now moving it's around just, now. Yeah, it's played out. Like, what are you like? Like, what are we comparing? You know, um, you know. I mean, for years it was like. I mean, like I say, you know, to me, Ludacris and Fabulous have been some of the best lyricists. So it's like, what what are we comparing now in twenty twenty? Who wins what? You know, yeah. So, um, yeah. But shout out to Jada Kiss. We got a nice meme out of that. Uh, <laughs> so I need to get Jada drunk. Jada kind of drunk. Uh, he was sloshed. Yeah. Oh, uh, before we get out of here, we we got to touch on it. August. Oh. August. I, I, I can't I can't leave without so August August Alcina had a uh interview with um he had an interview with um Angela Yee from Breakfast Club and she basically he admitted to First rule of Fight Club okay, is that we, you don't talk about Fight Club. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like bruh. He okay. alluded to messing with Jada Pickett Smith. Oh, oh uh, okay. Bro, I got What's your so, take on this? Man, first of all, all right. <laughs> Y'all can see me. I'm literally shaking my head right now. All right, so here's here's the thing. When it comes to that lifestyle, mm-hmm. one thing that I've learned and and it's not just it's not just the open relationship, the polyamory, the the kink, whatever, whatever. But because it's such a a niche lane, such a taboo lane, the one thing that is stressed is confidentiality. You know, it's a secret society. All we ask is trust. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you have people who live everyday regular lives. They're doctors, they're teachers, they're, um, you know, they work the, the stock room at Target. But on the weekends or whatever, they're doing things that are, quote unquote, outside of the norm. Mm -hmm. Having an open relationship is outside of the norm, right? 
So the fact that he got on TV, because everybody kind of knows that Will Smith and Jane Pinkett have a less than conventional relationship. Yeah. Um, none of this is new. None of that none is of new. That is new. That's you know, the that's why people the way people reacting on Twitter is like oh my god like nigga, we already we already knew, knew that especially here in Baltimore yeah because if you were in certain circles you know that Jada Smith and Will Pinkett have moved with Jada Smith and Will Pinkett <laughs> I mean yeah, that kicked in quick Will Smith and Jada Pinkett uh-huh. you know they they have moved in certain circles here in Baltimore and people know that I know that I, I know where they moved I didn't know that um, yeah. But that's this the thing. If, good. You, if you know where they moved and it's like, oh, okay, and you know the environment, you're like, oh, okay, they in there. All right, cool. Hey, mm-hmm. nice to see you. <laughs> I'm going to go do my thing. Huh? But the fact that he got, he ran up against old, somebody put on there was like, somebody put on, put on, I think Twitter, if Will Smith did what Jada's Pinkett did to a 20-something year old person who was vulnerable um we wouldn't be having this conversation and i replied i said uh um he's an adult right she's an adult right Mm -hmm. case closed if you have consenting adults and communication is there nothing else needs to be said Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying um of course because of the because of the porn cast you know, <laughs> that's why I do it because, you know what I'm saying, I want people to understand that that it's not weird. It may be weird to you because we think, you know, society says you have to move this way. Mm-hmm. But it's not always, you know, some people move crossways. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. What works for you. Exactly. What works for Will Smith and Jada Pinkett works for them. Mm-hmm. They don't need the world knowing Cause now, at the end of the day, he basically put their business out there to where folks is looking at them cross-eyed. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, Will, you 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 You're allowing this? Pop, pipe down your wife? Mm-hmm. But that that could be their arrangement. Mm-hmm. You know, open relationships happen a lot more than people think, a whole lot more than people think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm gonna say this: I'm speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, the experience where I'm like, oh, this is going down? Okay, cool. Communication. You know, but the fact that he's out here putting names out there, it's like, like, come on, dude. You basically just broke. You broke the first rule of Fight Club. Yeah. That's, see, this is where situations like, I'm speaking my truth. Yeah. comes it's it's a gray area for me mm-hmm. it's like i understand i understand you speaking your truth but he didn't have to say shit he didn't he, he didn't. didn't have to say but he um, if he had never i i didn't even know that she had she was even running with him you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. now he looking he looking all brokenhearted you know, mm-hmm. he he ran up he ran up against a savage ass woman, or savage older sure. woman who put it on whooping him. Whooping his ass, <laughs> he don't know. Pussy how to was whooping it. his ass. You know what I'm saying? So now, so now the fucked up part is Will Smith and Jada Pinkett are probably going to withdraw within themselves mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? Instead of being like, ah, yeah, yeah, we out here, we cool, everything is straight. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to be like, damn, we can't even trust this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, this person might run their mouth mm-hmm. and put more of their business out there because at, they still got kids. Yeah. And even though their kids are grown, folks is... Trinkle oh, down hey, effect. Hey, Jaden. Hey man, you think I can get with your mom? Mm-hmm. How's so, your how's your your your, how's, st- how's your, your stepdad? Your, st- <laughs> your side stepdaddy, right? <laughs> like, y'all, you y'all playing Xbox together? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it's and that's the that's the one thing about about the community of the lifestyle is is you know number one consent mm-hmm. before you do anything, make sure it's okay with the person you know the person or persons involved. Mm-hmm. Number two, don't say shit. Mm-hmm. Don't say shit to is G fourteen classified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh, what I'm saying. And I think, I think with social media being how it is, and people thinking celebrities thinking they have to indulge their personal life with their fans. It's not needed. Sidebar: I did hear the album. It's pretty good. He has an album. That's why they interview him. He has an album. He has an album. He has an album. So um, he out there pouring his heart out. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. He really has legit issue. It was a really good interview. I love the interview. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the way the people are making it seem like you wouldn't realize that that's only like it's a hour long interview. Mm-hmm. And he only talked about Jada Pinkett probably like ten minutes at the twenty minute mark. You get get it out the way early. Mm-hmm. Get out the way early. He has a lot of uh mommy issues like just family issues and mm-hmm. you know the death of his brother the death of his sister taking on their kids, the kids. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. three three girls like he has a hell of a story i love the interview yeah. really good fucking interview that particular part i i, I get him speaking his truth but it's kind of like a slippery slope because yes we all knew about this mm-hmm. because they have they played the clip Somebody brought brought up the clip of her and Will on the Red Table Talk. It's like, we're going to be together. We're going to be together regardless. You might be on one end of the house with somebody. I might be on the other end with somebody like but that. It, yep. But we're going to be together. That's them. Like yeah. That's their agreement. Yeah. So it's like, now you putting it out there full blast, although it was out there. But you putting it out there like full blast, it's, it, it makes... It makes everybody not, look yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Not knowing like this works for them, and yeah. that's fine. Yeah, it's just like certain things that people don't realize that it's okay for something other than the norm to work for you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work for somebody else. Right. Like that arrangement don't work for everybody. An open relationship doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people prefer this. It's no wrong way of things because right. it's an opinion. Yeah, exactly. You feel me? Like so. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, dude, yeah. he, he just, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's anyway. it. A uh, couple things running down, because we get out of here real quick. I got about six minutes. We're going to do this. Uh, no Limit and Rough Rise, get a docuseries coming in the BET, five parts. How okay. you feeling about that? Uh, definitely want to watch the No Limit. Um, Rough Riders, uh, I'll probably watch it. Mm. I, I'm really interested on... Um, how they present the Rough Riders. I feel like the No Limit story has been told so much. Um, mm. uh, unless they go more into the detail of the artists on the label. Mm-hmm. I've really, I'm really familiar with Masterpiece, um, Masterpiece story. 
mm-hmm. and see murder story and soak the shocker. But when they started getting to like maybe like the fiend, the Mia Atz, and, yeah, 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 and yeah. like those Cain and Abel, Abel shit, like, like yeah, yeah, I okay, um, I want to hear more about that Rough Rider shit. I want to hear more about DNY. I want to hear more about uh how they found X, how Swiss got his mm-hmm. start, who was Swiss to DNY, mm-hmm. um, how Swiss mom is. One of the head people at Rough Riders at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how the lots went from Bad Boy to Rough Riders. How the mm-hmm. lots were originally managed by DNY, and that's how they got to Bad Boy. Okay. Um, just okay. stuff like that. I wanna, I wanna get more into that. Let's see what else. What else are we at? Um, uh, let's see. Tippet, a uh, little known fact that I just found out. Um, DJ Screw, June twenty seventh. The song, the one song you always hear Houston artists, the one song you hear Houston artists always rap over, um, doom, 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 doom. Um, I didn't do that right, but anyway, uh, is um the beat was actually produced by, I always thought it was um um always thought it was a DJ Screw produced beat, and it's not. It's actually a Jermaine Dupri beat. And the Jermaine Dupree beat comes from a DJ, uh, from a Criss Cross record. Okay. Off their 96 song. Um, it's June 27th. Okay. But Drake has rapped over this. Damn it. Everybody that came out of Texas has rapped over this. Um, it's like a staple. Yeah. It's a staple in the, um, in the Houston sound of music. But yeah, Jermaine Dupree is the one that actually produced a real record. Okay. Um, in closing, I want to do this and we get right out of here. Don't wait for Kanye. Kanye now has a gap deal. 10-year partnership with an option to renew after five. The Yeezy Gap line will offer items such as hoodies, basic tees, joggers to customers, and they're expected to appear in Gap stores and on Gap.com sometime in 2021. Um, How you feeling about that? Fuck Kanye as a fashion designer. Okay. His clothes. Are fucking <laughs> the, the sadness came in. I was like, okay, <laughs> bro. He somebody said he makes clothes for people that are about to participate in the Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> yo, oh my! I, I I don't like his shoes. The the Wave Runners. The the. I don't like the Wave Runners. I have a pair of five. The Red October's I like, but mm-hmm. the Wave Runners are fucking trash. They look like goddamn sophisticated boat shoes. The 350s was cool. Yeah. Mm. But his clothing, I mean, he, the, uh, no. Just, I understand. Eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but shout out to Yeah for me. <laughs> shout out to Yeah. I think that's pretty dope. Working from Gap to, you know, actually doing a partnership. Yeah, get your money. Get yeah. your money. Cash that um, check. Sidebar, because we bring up Gap, I brought this up to say uh, Kanye finally. Release the video for spaceships. Yep. Sixteen years later. Yeah. That's a different Kanye. Yo, so. that's so fire! Like the fact that you have all this stuff just sitting in a vault, mm-hmm. and you're able to give me something from your very first album, mm-hmm. and you're like on like almost like ten, mm-hmm. and no, I've never seen this shit before. Very, very good, dope. You could tell that's that era of Kanye, like yeah. just how. How uh, how genius the the video was and just the artistry of it. Yeah. It was like real dope. Yeah, it's dope. He did a, he did a couple of joints, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got all these topics covered at 
an hour and 30 minutes. Damn. Oh, man, shout out to Lauren helping me with uh with the notes and shit. Uh, Exem- you know Executive produced yeah. by uh yeah, uh shit vegans eat. <laughs> shout out to my baby. Um yeah, man. Let's shout out to Stacy Norm. 420 wrap up. Coach Cars Podcast. This ain't no podcast. Shout out to all the niggas that's out here. Yo, I just got whatever. I just got on to them, man. Well, because uh, of you. Coach who? Coach uh Coach Class. Them podcast. boys is them they boys is shit. Yeah. Man. They funny as shit. They from they from around the yeah, way. Too. The, yeah, yeah I fuss with them, shit, man. man. Yo, shout out to them. I really I gotta we gotta get something together to really um them, Kenny for 420 wrap up. And this ain't no podcast. I want to be able to give them all each episode. We could really get their background, talk yeah. to them, sit down with them. Um, I fuss with them, man. I got six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation real quick. Uh, a girl, Courtney, and I went to high school with um, is out in Cali. That's how I got put on to the 420 wrap-up. Okay. 420 wrap-up grew up with Coach Class Podcast. Okay. And this ain't no podcast. When I did the um, panel for podcast, he was on there too. Oh shit! And I okay. actually met him. Six degrees of separation, and shit. Yeah. This shit is wild as shit. But shout out to them boys, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah. them, man. They they do great works each and every week. All three of them. Um, this ain't no podcast. They do two podcasts a week. Oh, wow. Um, that's dope. Uh, four twenty wrap up is every week. Coach class podcast is every week, and. The Laptop Chronicles is, is coming every, every week. week. It's coming every week. Got one I'm flying out tomorrow. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's called Shut the Fuck Up August. <laughs> Boy, I can't wait for this one. You know how I end this Baltimore County Forever 